After this third straight loss, I keep asking myself the same question. Does this Miami Hurricanes team have an identity? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today, even during these hard times. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, and available free on YouTube. want to talk about the things we learned after that 27-24 loss against the North Carolina Tar Heels. First thing that I learned, guys, this team doesn't have an identity yet. And I emphasize the word yet because I hope that's the case. I hope we see an identity established throughout this season. Because honestly, after the first three weeks I thought Miami's identity was that of a physical, hard-running team. And I think that's exactly what Cristobal wants to make it. And I thought we were seeing that. Uh, The Hurricanes, over those first three games, averaged 219 rushing yards per game. Then in their last two games, the loss to Middle Tennessee and the loss to North Carolina, Miami has averaged 51 rushing yards per game. They had just 42 running yards on 1.8 yards per carry against the Tar Heels. Woof. FYI, by the way, our next opponent, Virginia Tech, just gave up 326 rushing yards to Pitt. So if we can't run the ball yet again, it's going to start feeling a little bit hopeless, at least in the short term. And I'm also aware that North Carolina's rush defense was ranked in the 100s. And Miami still couldn't run the football. There were a lot of different factors there. But we're starting to see the trend over these last couple of games. Miami is not who we thought they were in terms of running the football. So honestly, I come away from this game asking, what is our identity? Do we have one? We don't really have one on defense because, you know, we've seen them get burned enough on a enough deep passing plays. We do tend to see Miami's defense in most of our games uh, finishing a lot better than they start, so I need them to start better than they've been starting recently. But then on offense, you know, you can go a few weeks thinking you're a running team, and then your quarterback throws for 496 yards, and you can't run the football. Who are we? Who are we? I don't think anyone knows right now. That's the first thing that I learned from this game. Miami still doesn't have an identity. The second thing that I learned from the North Carolina game, and I know this is kind of a knee jerk, but hopefully this gets sustained. I learned that Tyler Van Dyke can still play. Tyler Van Dyke is still capable of going out there and looking like a very good college quarterback. Yes, he went up against a bad defense. It was still a really good performance. Both of those things can be true, by the way. You can't just say, well, he only threw for 496 because the Tar Heels defense was bad. No, Tyler was more decisive. He had the proper touch on his deep throws, put up the second most passing yards in Miami history. I think Stephen Morris is the only guy who threw for more in a single game. Middle Tennessee, I think getting benched in that game was probably the wake-up call that Tyler needed because then everything that he did during the bye week and leading up to UNC, working on his mechanics a little bit more, going back to some of the basics, having those extra sessions that he would do the joint sessions with his offensive coordinator and with his quarterback's coach, That stuff seems to have paid off, so 
Keep working like this, Tyler. I learned that Tyler Van Dyke is still capable of doing good things out there. Third thing that I learned, and this is honestly the biggest reason why Miami lost that game on Saturday. Miami seems incapable of playing a clean game. Missed blocks on short yardage, getting your running back blown up behind the line of scrimmage when you need just a yard or two. Dropped passes on third and fourth down. Uh, the overall reception production is getting better, but you still seem to drop passes when you need to catch passes the most. That fumble from Jalen Knighton on that fourth down, that was an absolute killer. That was an absolute backbreaker. These coaches have not been able to clean up the fine details that make a difference in winning a game by three points or losing a game by three points. I hope they can. It's why I always preach patience, talk about giving this coaching staff time. I hope they can fix this because this team, they're still too sloppy. The fourth thing that I learned, uh, and this may sound like a little bit of a cop-out, but this is just the facts, folks. Injuries didn't help, all right? You know, when the margins are so thin, injuries don't help. The offensive line was decimated by the end of that game. You know, Zion Nelson didn't suit up. He's been uh, he's had injury troubles all season long. I think the only games he even played in were the Southern Miss game and the Texas A&M game. So he's missed three out of the five games Miami has played so far. And then on the field, you lose your starting center, Ja'Kai Clark, early on with injury. You lost Justice Olawazian. He left the game early. Neither returned. So you were playing musical chairs with your with your uh, your offensive line group, which we admitted to start the year is not nearly as deep as they'd like it to be uh, at tight end. We found out Elijah Arroyo is out for the season. And, hey, with the running game struggling, and a lot of this is on the O-line, of course, but with the running game struggling, it would be nice to have a guy like Don Chaney or Devante C Trevante Citizen to be able to rotate in. Uh, Citizen's out the year. Maybe we'll expect to see Chaney. I think we'll expect to see Chaney at some point. Uh, I'll see if there's any update on his recovery today. But those are the big four things that I learned about the Miami Hurricanes in that loss to North Carolina and over the course of these last couple of games. And we're all hurting right now. It's a three-game losing streak. So you guys let me know, did I miss anything? What did you learn about the Miami Hurricanes from that 27-24 loss to UNC? You can tweet us at Locked on Canes. And if you follow us at Locked on Canes, we will follow you back. You can also drop us a YouTube comment. And I don't plug this enough please leave us an Apple podcast review. And if you leave us a five-star review, that'd be great. If you don't want to leave a five-star review, maybe just don't leave a review. But if you want to leave us a review, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can ask us questions there as well. So those were the four things that I learned. Uh, I, I looked at and, and I listened to Mario Cristobal this morning early on the Joe Rose Show on 560 WQAM in Miami. Uh, later on today, Monday... The media, myself included, will have a chance to meet with Mario and ask him some more questions. But he did a local radio hit this morning in Miami, and there's a couple of things that stood out to me, okay? Coach was asked how his team can start winning games, close games, like the one that they lost on Saturday. And he said, quote, resiliency is earned and it's worked for. And a lot of that showed up, he said. Learning to win requires that details be handled at the highest level. At our current talent level, we're going to be in a lot of close games that come down to the wire to the fourth quarter. Now, 
just that quote, I know a lot of people will take that as like he's dogging his talent level. I don't necessarily think that's what he intended uh, to mean. Uh, I think maybe he meant it that we're going to be in a lot of close games in a good way. Uh, but if he does mean that in a negative way, <laughs> I, is there really a lie there? Okay, uh, so we can debate this, I'm sure. Uh, but he let me continue the quote first. So ball security repointing a mic when he walks outside, maintaining leverage on a pass rush so a guy doesn't escape and he moves the chains and they execute a drive. Those things have to show up consistently when we practice for them to show up consistently in the games in the most critical moments because these games are going to come down to three, four, five, eight plays. And that's exactly the way. I mean, really, um, you know, Miami was – probably about three plays away from beating North Carolina. And that's not an excuse because North Carolina made the plays that Miami didn't. That's just reality. I mean, that game, you lose that game by three points. That came down to just a handful of plays. So Chris's ball continued. So they have to show up better in practice to show up better in the game. And we are working on it, right? So, you know, you talk about the talent level. I know the reality is, you know, Miami doesn't have a great talent level. They're a two and three team right now. You know, it's a lot of the same guys from last year who went seven and five. Hopefully we can even get to seven and five with the way things have started off this year. But I don't think he's telling any lies there when he talks about the talent level. And I think that Cristobal echoed a lot of what we said here on Locked on Canes in our Sunday episode, our postgame episode, in that this team doesn't know how to win. Like this team doesn't know how to win because you get in that pressure cooker in the close games and you need to just catch a pass on fourth down or you need to convert a fourth down without fumbling. This team just can't execute these things consistently and it's very frustrating. So here's the other quote from Mario that stood out to me. Uh, he said this about the offense, quote, short yardage goal line were a problem as well as turning the ball over. The red zone woes were not solved to the degree that we needed to be successful, he said. That's the bottom line. No sugarcoating it, so back to work. And by the way, kudos to Kane Sport for transcribing this this morning so that I didn't have to. Um, he talked about Coach Gaddis and Mario Cristobal. He said Coach Gaddis had tremendous success when he was at Michigan and Alabama and the stuff he did there. But it wasn't working for us early in this season, Cristobal said. So uh, he's he's admitting that the offensive philosophy wasn't completely meshing. He said, so we adapted the sets and started moving to things that we feel can can do as an organization. We can do as an organization. Certain areas of our team are ahead of others, he said. Just have to find ways to move the ball and score points. We found ways to move the ball, had success moving the chains. We didn't put up enough points. That's the bottom line. There's been some progress, some improvement, still a way to go. So, again, I know that uh, Miami didn't win the game. Probably should have won the game, could have won the game, didn't win the game. At least I saw a little bit of adaptation there, right? Um, at least my offensive coordinator, maybe he was strong-armed into it. Whatever the case may be, from the head coach to the offensive coordinator, they were at least willing to adapt, right? They were willing to adapt the tempo. They were willing to adapt the playbook to find more plays that Tyler Van Dyke was comfortable with. I give them a certain amount of credit for that because a lot of football coaches out there are not – humble enough to adapt anything, right? And I, I know, for example, that was kind of the case with Mark Rick, that these are my plays. You either run them or you fail to run them. We're not going to adapt anything. At least, at least this coaching staff is trying to make adaptations to make their players more comfortable. 
So we're going to open up the mailbag when we come back. Oh, you guys, um, a lot of you are being very rational. A lot of you are very frustrated, which I get. I try to be both of those things. Uh, we got some questions on recruiting. Is it going to be a pure catastrophe after this? Um, what it's going to take to win games in the ACC? And a lot of people are wondering, where has Colby Young been? Like, where have you been all my life, Colby? We'll get to your questions, and I will have answers when we come back here on Locked on Canes. Guys, oh, you have to get simply safe in your life, my friends. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. And I know because I use Simply Safe in my home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's why I love it, guys. I control their technology right on my smartphone with an app. It's amazing. You can watch the crystal clear HD live stream of your own security cameras. It's like really boring reality TV, but it's strangely addicting. Or you can access the wide variety of high tech sensors as well. With 24 7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and they dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Our monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real, so you get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. I want to open up the mailbag. You guys can get us at Locked on Canes on Twitter. You can leave a comment on our YouTube channel at Locked on Canes or leave a comment on our audio podcast feeds as well. Leave us a nice review. Fear of a cane planet writes, the team is good, but to win games in the ACC, it has to play near perfect football. We have talent, but we can't afford drop passes, fumbles, dropped interceptions, not scoring on four downs at the one-yard line. Oh, that was frustrating. And missed field goals, he says. See, the whole forest, not just one tree. Um, obviously, I agree with a lot of what you say there because it's stuff we've been saying. Um, you know, I will say that for you to say the team is good, that might be a little bit generous. Like, And you guys know I love the Canes. Like, you know, I've, I'm decked out in Canes gear head to toe pretty much every day. I love the Miami Hurricanes. I've loved the Miami Hurricanes for almost 40 years. I'm 38 years old, by the way. Um, I don't even know if I would call this team good right now. I think they can be good. Um, I just don't know if it's going to take weeks or literally years for them to be good because I think that this is, this is an internal and external rebuild that's happening, right? It's got to not only happen with you know, getting these players up to speed with new offenses and new defenses that they've been learning throughout the season, but then also in the long term, getting certain types of recruits in here that can just uh, that are just more equipped to run what these coaches want to run. It is a process. And I appreciate the fact that you have patience because I have patience as well. Dominique writes. Why wasn't Colby Young out there more instead of Ladson from the start? He actually fights for the ball and is willing to climb the ladder of passes. I am the president of the Colby Young fan club. I can tell you why Colby had a slow start to the season. 
when he came in, transferred in from junior college, there were just, um, from what I could tell and from what I understand, there were just a lot of little fundamental things that he wasn't up to speed yet. Like he wasn't, I don't think at a power five level in terms of just footwork, route running. I think there were a lot of things that Colby Young had to polish. He's always had the size and he's always had the talent. Long wingspan, six foot five, fast, can fight for contested balls. I was always bullish on Colby Young. You guys know that. Um, it took him a little bit, a little bit of time to get up to speed. Now, I can only really speak on what happened in fall camp and scrimmages because the practices were somewhat open back then. They've not been open since the season started. So, guys, I don't know why it took Colby five games to get involved. I don't know if that's on him or on the coaches. I don't. I wish I could tell you because we all love to blame someone, right? Wouldn't we all just say, no, 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 the coaches just, they were too unreasonable and too stubborn to give him a chance, or he just couldn't run a route until week five. I don't know. I don't know what's true here, guys, and I'm not going to make something up for the sake of making it up, but I can tell you I've been bullish on Colby Young for a long time, and I know when he transferred in from Juco, it took him a little while to get up to speed. So he had an amazing drive in that game three catches scored a touchdown in that fourth quarter gamer i hope we keep seeing more of colby young because i like this player a lot austin writes in he says what's your realistic prediction of the offense and our future record following the north carolina game um okay so we need to try and get a little bit more balance on the offense that's what Miami's really been missing. So early in the season, the running game was doing their job. The passing game was non-existent. Now, this last game, the passing game did their job and then some, and the running game was non-existent. Um, I think a lot of that balance is going to come through, first of all, getting the offensive line healthy, right? Um, you know, it seems like Zion Nelson is just going to be day-to-day every day. That's just the reality, you know, coming off the injury he had in the offseason. Hopefully Zion is able to play from this point forward. Hopefully we get Ja'Kai Clark back very soon. He's very important, your starting center. Um, and yeah, at some point, I think October, early November, you're going to, well, it's already October, maybe late October, early November. At some point, Don Chaney may be ready to return, but also, Where's Jalen Knighton? Like, what happened to him? What happened to the Rooster? He's not the same guy as he was last year. You know, I know he was coming off an injury, so maybe he's not completely, you know, gotten himself physically and mentally back to where he needs to be. But, uh, you know, for Miami's offense, we need balance, right? Like, you can't just have the passing game going ham one one day and the running game disappearing. Um, I, I take a lot of positives, though, in the fact that apparently Tyler Van Dyke can still play. Um, so yeah, we need to get the offense consistent because, you know, another one of the reasons why it's so hard to score in the red zone for this team is if on any given Saturday, either your running game or your passing game is completely out to lunch that it takes away so many options in the red zone. And it tells the defense exactly what they need to stop in the red zone. So listen, I, the offense needs to find balance as far as a realistic record. I can't give one to you, okay? Because these guys are playing like a four or five win team, which would be catastrophic because then you're not even making a bowl game. But I will remind you, because I know 
everyone just likes to react to the recent results and they'll assume, well, if they've lost three games in a row, they're not going to win another game again. I mean, it's just a ridiculous thought process. Okay. This team started two and four last year. <laughs> I mean, they're two and three right now. I hope they don't fall two and four because I think Virginia tech is beatable. I think Virginia tech is even more beatable than North Carolina was. So you should be three and three after this coming week. We'll talk about Virginia tech throughout the week, of course, but you know, I know a lot of people say, well, they're two and three right now. They're going to maybe win three or four games all year. Like, I don't know that because they were they started two and four last year and they finished seven and five. Because here's the thing. If you can clean up some of those execution problems we talked about or even just get a little lucky in a few of your games where maybe you're lucky enough that Jalen Knighton doesn't fumble or, you know, or Will Mallory like holds on to a ball on, you know, third or fourth down when you or, or the or your receivers actually know where the chains are, you know, know where the first down marker is and you're converting more of these and you score more points in the red zone. You know, don't be surprised if this team does rattle off a few consecutive wins. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, my preseason prediction 10 and 2 is a laugher at this point. It's impossible to get to, you know, you know. Um, yeah, I, th I think this team can win six or seven games. You know, if you disagree, let me know in the comments. Um, all right, a couple more I want to get to, including the impact of this game on recruiting and uh, <laughs> a really funny comment about what, what do the fans really want? We'll get to that more right after we talk about the awesome people at Bet Online. Even when the Canes lose, you can win on these college football Saturdays with Bet Online. And guys, we've been having a great time. Check and bet online every single day. It's your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, bet online remains your continued source for all your sporting wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball playoffs, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen and your first watch today. Just a programming note, today's Monday. Uh, so we're on a little bit early on the YouTube premiere and the podcast drop. We are going to be posting coaches' videos later today. We're going to be talking to Mario Cristobal. Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, and I will be posting videos of those conferences on Locked on Canes YouTube, so make sure you are looking out for that a little bit later today, all right? Um, so, again, uh, you know, Austin asked me for my realistic prediction of the offense and our record following the UNC game. You know, still, uh, even though Miami's sub 500 right now, I still think this team is going to be bowl eligible. I, I think they're going to win six or seven games this year. Um, maybe they'll surprise me and do even better. <laughs> I doubt they're running the table because Clemson's going to be a really, really tough game, especially being on the road. But as far as the offense goes, I definitely want to see a lot more Colby Young. And we just need to see a lot more a lot more grit from Miami's running backs because regardless of what the offensive line is or isn't doing, I just think we need to see those legs churning a little bit more. And I hope Jalen Knighton can get his confidence back. Okay. Uh, let's go to the next question from Julian. Julian writes in for the mailbag. I was wondering if you could talk about the impact that this loss had on recruiting and the overall thoughts from the commits after the loss. Well, first thing, Obviously, a three-game losing streak and another home loss 
it can only hurt. Like, it can't help. Like, I'm not going to pretend everything's fine. You know, it doesn't matter how many games you lose. The recruits are the recruits. Obviously, it doesn't help. But I do take a lot of comfort in, um, and I know our pal Gabby Yerudia was talking about this after the game. He covers recruiting for 24-7 sports. And I get the same sense um, that, you know, Miami's verbal commits, right, when you think about the Maui Goas, the Jaden Waynes, the Jaden Rashadas, uh, you know, list on down, Ray Ray Josephs, um, they are all at least saying that they are firmly committed. They are not wavering. They are not wavering, right? So I think there's a pretty good chance you keep the vast majority, if not all, of your verbal commits locked in. You know, it's easier said than done because other schools are trying to snipe them, right? Negative recruiting, like, look at how bad Miami's doing. Come here, like, come to Alabama, you know. Because, you know, so Alabama is going to be trying to poach some of these players. Florida State, if Florida State beats Miami in a few weeks, they're going to try and poach some of these players. But the current verbal commits seem very locked in, which is great. Um, and because I, I think that sometimes, you know, one of our one of our mailbag questions said something about, um, you know, being able to tell the difference between one tree and the entire forest. That's been the key in recruiting that. This coaching staff is still, they are selling these guys on the vision. They're selling these guys on what Miami can be and will be versus what Miami is right now. That's not going to work on everybody because some of these players are going to say, well, I wish you guys were blowing everybody out today. So I know that we're going to be in a great spot tomorrow. So some players are going to think more in the short, short term, but I think a lot the approach from these coaches in recruiting hasn't changed a whole lot because they still have their vision they still have their plans they still have the idea of you know what they want to sell these recruits on for the future and it seems like most of these guys are buying in but obviously the more games that you lose it's going to be harder to win battlegrounds for future players like does this make it harder to get a guy like Reuben Bain, who's also getting, you know, recruited by Alabama and some other big time schools. I'm sure it makes it a little bit harder for that, right? Does it make it harder to get guys like Damari Brown and Christopher Johnson? I'm sure it does. So it can only hurt, but um, I think you can breathe a sigh of relief that the current verbal commits are all behind the scenes. And when the mics are on, they're all saying pretty, pretty positive things about being committed to this class. Thank you, Julian. King Moss writes, question, do Miami fans want TVD to throw the ball around and look good, or do they want Miami to run the ball? Make up y'all mind, he says. <laughs> I think the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> I think they want both of those things. You know, if you're, if you're throwing the football for 500 yards and running for 42 yards, yeah, Miami fans are going to be upset. If you're running for 220 yards and you're, you know, you're, you're throwing for, you know, 150 yards, the fans are going to be upset. I, I think that they, how about this? I don't care for how many yards you throw for or how many yards you run for. I want to score more points. I don't care how you get there. You scored nine points against Texas A&M. Didn't score a touchdown. You scored, uh, what was it? 31 points but you lost by two touchdowns against middle tennessee you scored 24 points against north carolina i don't care how many yards you throw for or how many yards you run for i just want to score 
I just want to score 40, 50 points, right? And, and in today's college football, that's not a ridiculous thing to ask for. 20 years ago, you'd be like, you want to score 40 or 50 points. But not today's college football. I want to get some games where we're scoring in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, they scored 70 against uh, against Bethune-Cookman, which obviously doesn't mean anything against an FCS opponent. But I, I want to be scoring – I just want to score more touchdowns, man. I don't care if TVD throws for 150 and you run for 150, you get some balance, you move the change, you execute in the red zone. Just score more points. That is all that I ask for. All right, so I am I am off. I'm going to head up to Coral Gables. About an eight-mile trek from where I live. I'm going to head up to Coral Gables. Going to talk with Mario. Going to talk with Gaddis. Going to talk with old Kevin Steele. And we will be posting those videos throughout the day. So huge thank you and shout out to you guys for making Locked on Canes part of your day. Make sure you get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. And I join her every Thursday. So thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen. We will talk to you guys again on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.